Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm your host, Melissa Harris. Cardiovascular disease is a leading cause of death for African-Americans and at a disparate rate compared to the rest of the U.S. population. Racial disparities in public health and medical treatment, as well as mistrust in the American medical system, put African-Americans at particular health risk for cardiovascular disease and complications. There are also so many other factors that have been revealed in recent medical findings. Today, we continue our HBCU podcast series by looking at one particularly important study that has led to many revelations about the cardiovascular conditions of the African-American community. That is the Jackson Heart Study, the largest community-based epidemiological study of environmental and genetic factors associated with cardiovascular disease among African Americans ever undertaken. It's funded by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute and the National Institute on Minority Health Disparities. Although the study takes place across a variety of different institutions, today we'll look at what Tougaloo College is doing in their contribution to and work with the Jackson Heart Study. Specifically, my guest today is Tougaloo Jackson Heart Study Principal Investigator, Dr. Wendy White. She'll tell us a little bit about some findings from over 20 years of research that she and her partners have done, how HBCUs and African-American-ran studies can help build trust in healthcare and minority populations, as well as the importance for federal support for studies like these for getting a fuller scope of medical understanding. So first of all, I just wanted to welcome you to the show. Thanks for joining me today. Thank you for inviting me. So you run the Jackson Heart Study at Tougaloo College. I just wanted to start off the bat by asking you, can you tell me a little bit about the study and why you think it's important? The Jackson Heart Study is the largest single-site community-based epidemiological study of its kind that is investigating the environmental and genetic factors associated with cardiovascular disease in African-Americans. We are funded in part by the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute and the National Institute on Minority Health and Health Disparities. This is our 20th year in existence, and studies like this are so important because cardiovascular disease is the leading cause of death in African-Americans. And where we've seen some progress in other races, we've not seen the progress that we think we should see in African-Americans in during this time. And how did the study come about? And what has been uncovered over the past 20 years as a result? Oh, wow. We started off actually through the ARIC study. And the ARIC study is Atherosclerosis Risk and Community Study. It actually started in 1985. The ARIC study has several sites, and Jackson, Mississippi was one of those sites. And so I guess back then they were looking to expand and to look into cardiovascular disease in African Americans. And so it just became a natural extension of the ARIC study. Excellent. Also, you know, you were mentioning how cardiovascular disease is a leading cause for death for African-Americans. 
I just wanted to piggyback off of that and also ask how has systemic racism or mistrust impacted how the study approaches capturing cardiovascular data from the African-American community? Well, we actually ask questions about discrimination in some of our tools that we use to access cardiovascular disease. And that does play a role, you know, in cardiovascular disease, especially, you know, here lately with everything going on in the United States that has been very impactful. Also with the, you know, with COVID, we've seen those numbers affect African-Americans at higher rates. And COVID has, we've learned that it traditionally affects those African-Americans more where we have, we see more mortality in African-Americans who have other underlying medical conditions like cardiovascular disease and diabetes. In terms of mistrust, it has been a long history of mistrust in African-Americans. A lot of people like to point to the Tuskegee study, but I heard a speaker this past weekend, actually Harriet Washington, who wrote Medical Apartheid, definitely hit it home when she said that it's not, you know, Tuskegee was just one part of it. It was an important part of mistrust, but it was important. We have years of mistrust where African-Americans have been used in studies and in medical interventions without their consent or without being fully aware of what they are doing, you know, what they are signing up for, if they signed up at all. And so that's where mistrust comes into play. You are also part of Tougaloo College, which is an HBCU. So do you think there is a role that HBCUs can play in bridging the trust gap for these African-American communities and medical research? Yes, a large part of the mistrust, I think, is not seeing people who look like you. And so that's why it is so important that at the Jackson Heart Study, we have people who look like us, look like African-Americans who are leading the study, who are investigators in the study, who are community outreach workers in the study. It's just important for people to see these types of people. So they could begin to see, hey, you know, if we have African-Americans who are working with us and these African-Americans are already a part of our communities. And so we can, you know, trust them because we've known them. We've seen them in action. We go to church with them. We go to the same barbershop, those types of things. And so that could only help in terms of building the trust and extending that trust into other places. And what is the state of the study today? You know, what are your focuses and has COVID-19 impacted your work at all? Oh, yes. We are still focusing on cardiovascular disease, of course. And we're also doing quite a bit of genetic type studies, looking at, you know, some other issues, you know, that genetics may come into play and not just lifestyle. You know, we, we have learned some things with that. In terms of COVID, it has definitely affected the Jackson Heart Study. During this cycle, we were supposed to be in doing our clinical, another clinical assessment 
But because of COVID, we cannot have our participants to come into the clinic to, you know, do their clinic assessment. And so we've started, we're still doing, you know, the year, the annual follow-up calls on them. And we're still trying to make ourselves visible when we have some outreach, you know, like our community outreach center, which is located in the Mississippi State Department of Health. They have done pretty well with keeping the Jackson Heart Study name still in the community. They've been giving out masks and hand sanitizer and having other types of community outreach to let the community know that while we are not doing our clinical exams now, we are still here fighting with you and fighting for you so that we can eliminate some of these health disparities. Right. I also know that the Jackson Heart Study does some community outreach too as part of its mission, which is kind of a process of giving back to the community and is important, you know, in bridging health disparities as well. Do you plan to use any of the insight you've gleaned from the study to inform policy recommendations or further actions that can be taken to improve cardiovascular health of African-Americans? Yes, that's uh, a lot of the work that we've been doing. You know, we have to report our findings to our observational studies monitoring board. And we also, the NIH, you know, like, they really like when we publish these findings as well. And so when you publish those findings, of course, they reach a, an even larger audience. And so we're hoping that, you know, we have the right people reading our published articles. And so they can see the impact of the work that we're doing at the Jackson Heart Study. A lot of before the Mississippi State Department of Health was over community, that was housed in Jackson State University's. School of Public Health, they did a lot of the community outreach. They were our community outreach center. So if anyone is interested, there's already been some published work on what the Jackson Heart Study is doing in the community and how it can impact some legislation. Speaking of some of the findings that you publish, the Jackson Heart Study is relatively open and has lots of public data and findings. Other than the work you do with your own studies data, can you explain some of the ways that other researchers or groups have used your information to make a difference for the African-American community? Yes, we have vanguard centers that are associated with the Jackson Heart Study. And so as a part of those vanguard centers, we have investigators who use our Jackson Heart Study data and mine the data and look through it and, you know, write these proposals publication proposals so that they can, you know, provide us even more insight. Some schools of note that are, you know, that house Jackson Heart Study Vanguard Centers, of course, Johns Hopkins, Harvard, Morehouse School of Medicine, I think Meharry School of Medicine, Brown University, just everywhere, Boston University, UCLA, their School of Public Health may have a Vanguard Center. And so all of these investigators at places all over the United States are looking at and examining Jackson Heart Study data. Speaking of these partnerships with other institutions and the NIH, which you mentioned before, 
what importance do partnerships have in the study and what do each of those partnerships look like? Partnerships are so important because, you know, you can't think of everything. And um, I, I like to give the story. I was in a Jackson Heart Study meeting and actually this was a local meeting, but we had a lot of our investigators from other sites there. And so they asked the question, why were, I think it was something like, what, you know, what vegetables do you fry? And so the people who were outside of the South only knew maybe one or two vegetables that were fried. And I think, of course, the main one being French fries, you know, potatoes are, you know, that's a vegetable that is fried, even though potatoes are starch. And so the investigator who was leading the diet and physical activity study said, well, no, we had about, you know, 35 different vegetables that people fry here in Mississippi. And the people who were outside of the state were just, you know, they found it amazing that we fried so many vegetables here in Mississippi. And so me and a couple of my students were there. We just started writing down all of the vegetables that we knew that we fried in Mississippi. And I think we may have gotten on that list of maybe 34. I think we may have gotten to maybe 31 of them that we've seen fried here. And so it's just, you know, you need other trains of thought. You need people with other backgrounds to kind of expand your thoughts because we can't think of everything. But that's just, to me, that was a perfect example of why you need other, you know, a diverse team looking at data. Right. Also, in regard to your partnerships with the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute and the National Institute on Minority Health and Health Disparities, you know, these are really important connections to have to get support for studies like the Jackson Heart Study. And um, as part of this HBCU series we're doing, we're talking with, say, um, Stillman College President Cynthia Warwick, as well as John Rosenthal from Tougaloo and Jen Johnson right. from Tougaloo. So across HBUs, there's an, an ongoing effort to bridge federal contracting and grant dollars to their institutions, as there is a disparity in resources allocated to these schools. What would the Jackson Heart Study look like without NIH support? And why is it important for federal bodies like NIH to support HBCUs and their research? I don't think without the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute and without the National Center for Minority Health and Health Disparities, if they were not funding us, I don't think we would have a Jackson Heart Study because our funding, you know, over the last 20 years, you know, it has come from them. And so without them, you know, their financial support and, of course, their other resources, we just would not have had the Jackson Heart Study. Not at all, unless a private company had come in and funded us. And I don't think that a private company would have done that at this level. Right. I mean, that's so important to show how, you know, these funding from groups like the NIH can really uplift important work. Yeah. The, the next thing about that is that the next thing that they do is something different, you know, the NIH is funding. They have not funded a, a study that has a training center like the Jackson Heart Study. You know, this was a unique opportunity 
because most studies, they will fund, you know, the investigators and, you know, the schools for, you know, having the data and, you know, collecting the data and having these participants. But before the Jackson Heart Study Undergraduate Training and Education Center at Tougaloo College, there had not been something of this nature where a center actually, you know, they actually funded an undergraduate program at that that was affiliated with an epidemiological or community-based study. Overall, what can federal agencies or even Congress and the White House do to better support HBCUs and studies run by individuals of diverse backgrounds? Reach out to HBCUs. Of course, put money into training because I think the healthcare costs that go along with treating these chronic diseases, that those costs, you know, can really go very far. If you can put those types of funds into prevention and training and putting those funds in HBCUs for outreach, that could do, you know, have a massive impact on healthcare in the United States. Certainly, and you know, the Jackson Heart Study is a perfect instance showing where these dollars can really make a difference. Um, right. And your work is really fabulous. Thank you so much for joining me today. Okay, well, thank you for having me. I appreciate any opportunity that I can get to speak on the Jackson Heart Study and the National Institutes of Health and Tougaloo College. <laughs> HealthCast is a production of Government CIO Media and Research. For more podcasts, head to governmentciomedia.com slash podcasts. If you liked what you heard, let us know by leaving a review in iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. HealthCast is produced by Amy Kluber, hosted by Melissa Harris and Adam Patterson. If you're interested in sponsoring a podcast, contact us at sponsor at governmentcio.com.